Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen. Good morning. As Lauren said, we are so glad that all of you are here this morning, and I trust that you had a wonderful holiday experience. Uh, I appreciate Brother Greg Abercrombie, our Director of Missions for Filling in for us and former pastor here and uh, did a great job last week and appreciate him so much filling in for us. And I want to thank all of those that uh, are interim and uh, part-time staff, volunteer staff, all the different people we have, our deacons and so many of our leaders, Sunday school leaders and, and others who uh, ministered on our behalf while we were able to be away visiting our family. Like many of you, we had not been able to see our family uh, since last Thanksgiving, so we were able to go back and see uh, my wife's father in Alabama and my younger sister uh, there, and we, we had a very, very good time visiting, uh, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be gone. But you know what? We teach around here that everybody's a minister, right? Every church member is a minister. And so, you know, it hadn't just been this last week or two that that's been going on. It's been going on all year long. People have been stepping up to the plate, stepping in and ministering. Because, I mean, we have far more needs than any one person could take care of. So uh, it does take an army to take care of all of us, and, and we are the army. And so thank you for doing that, and thank you for meeting all those needs. And we have had several. We've got a lot of folks that are struggling now. They're, they're uh, you know, battling COVID. They're battling cancer. They're just battling um, all kinds of crises that are going on in their lives. So uh, stay in touch. Keep up with the, the prayer list that's on our website so that you can pray specifically because I believe when we pray specifically, God answers specifically. And so we try to keep that updated and try to let everyone know what's going on. If you have a need, do let us know because we do want to, uh, to minister to you in any way we can. But we're glad to be back home, and we're glad that you are here today, glad that uh, we are able to be back with our church family together. You know, Brother Greg kicked off our Advent season last week with our series that we're calling God with us. And he preached about the subject of hope last week, the hope that God provides for us uh, through Jesus Christ, not only when we get to heaven, but while we're here on earth. And so last week we lit the Advent candle for hope, right? And so today we're going to be talking about another subject, the one called love. And I found out uh, when Brother Greg and I were talking about this, that Eastern Heights has carried on this tradition for well over 20 years now. I don't know exactly how long, but some of you might be like us. When we first got here a little over 10 years ago, the churches we had served at had never uh, observed Advent. And so, uh, not being Jewish, we're Alabama, okay? Uh, not being Jewish, we, we didn't know what Advent was. We didn't, we didn't have any clue what that was all about. So when they're lighting candles and we're stuffing, go, oh, that's nice. Light a candle, you know. Uh, it only takes a spark, you know, whatever. And we, we had no clue really what was going on. And, uh, and so it was a learning process for us. And so some of you kind of may be that way too. It may be a little bit unfamiliar to you. So I just kind of want to briefly explain this journey that we're going along as we're headed toward Christmas that we call the Advent. Advent is a big word that actually means coming 
or arrival. So when we talk about God with us, we're anticipating the coming or the arrival of Jesus Christ. So we're in essence celebrating the arrival of the Messiah Jesus with expectation, with anticipation, with longing, just as those people did centuries ago and they were waiting on the arrival of Jesus. So Advent becomes much more than just an extension of Christmas for us. It really links us with the past, the present, and the future by giving us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing that people had centuries ago for Christ to come, then to celebrate his birth, and then for us to be alert for his second coming, right? So that, that kind of in a nutshell is what Advent is about. It's about looking back and the hope that is fulfilled in Christ's coming that we talked about last week, while at the same time looking hopeful and with eager anticipation toward the coming of Christ's kingdom for all of God's people. So during Advent, we wait for both, right? And so each of these four weeks kind of focuses on a different attribute of Christ's coming, last week being hope. Today, we are talking about love. And so the love candle has been lit today. And the scripture that was read was about God so loving us. Next week will be joy. The fourth week will be hope. And depending on who you talk to, what you read, they kind of go in different orders. And so I'm not so sure that it really matters the order, but that's the order that we're using. And then on Christmas Eve, and I want to invite you all to come on Christmas Eve. It'll be here in the gym. And we are looking forward to a great Christmas Eve service together as a family. Uh, it'll be at 6 o'clock, and at, on that night, we will light the Christ candle, the, the candle that's in the center, representing the fact that Christ has been born and God is with us. And so we look forward to that. But today's subject is love. And you know, uh, there, out of all the subjects in the world, they, uh, there's never been one more discussed than love, right? I mean, there's poems about it, there's songs, there's novels, there's plays, there's narratives that go centuries back. And then as recent as we had a whole series back on it out of the Song of Solomon, if you'll remember back in February before COVID hit. Uh, and so love is a subject that, we, you know, we just goes on and on and on. And I really think I think it's a confirmation of that deep longing that God put in us when he created us back in the Garden of Eden, as Brother Greg talked about last week, in that we have this deep desire for a love relationship with the Heavenly Father. So today we're going to learn just how love can impact our Christmas, and the way that we're going to do that is we're going to look at a very unlikely love story. Okay, a very unlikely love story. And when I shared with my wife uh, about this uh, the other day, she said, you're going to tell them about Trey and Christy, which is our oldest daughter. And it is a very great love story. And one day I might tell it when it applies in a different way. And I said, no, honey, I'm talking about an unlikely love story from the Bible. And she said, you mean Hosea and Gomer? You're going to talk about Hosea and Gomer? And if y'all don't know about Hosea and Gomer, it, it's an unlikely love story. You might want to, it's in the book of Hosea. And her name was Gomer, and that says a lot right there. But anyway, we're not going to go there today. Maybe another day on that one, too. But I do have a message called Gomer Was Not a Marine, and those of you that are older will know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so maybe we'll share that one one day. But anyway, the unlikely love story that we're going to talk about, I said, no, honey, it's the Christmas season. She said, oh, Mary and Joseph. And see, they're kind of an unlikely love story. They're not, when you think about Mary and Joseph, you don't really think about 
their story as being a love story. But matter of fact, the Bible just kind of gives us enough information to make our imagination wander a little bit, right? And doesn't fill in all the blanks. And so that's what I want us to do today. I want to let your imagination kind of run wild just for a little bit. Not too wild, but just a little bit. And, uh, and as we do, I think we're going to see that it's a bigger love story than we really thought. Now think about it for a minute. Mary is a very young girl when this story happens, okay? She might have been a teenager. She might have been 13. She could have been younger than that. But back in those days, she was of marrying age. And that's going to be very important as we move forward in this message today, is that you don't think about this story the way that our culture views dating and marriage today. You've got to go back 2,000 years ago to what the culture was going on then. And imagine the possibilities of this love story as we live it out in their culture, not in our own. So Mary is very young, but she's of marrying age. Joseph, he's believed by most scholars to be around the age of 20 or so. And he's of noble ancestry. He comes from the, the line of King David. And so he is a very uh, noble man in that regard. Uh, he uh, had the same occupation that my father had in real life, and that was he was a carpenter. My dad especially was a cabinet maker, and so Joseph was a carpenter. He probably had a nice physique. He was probably well-built. He was probably muscular because of that kind of job and the, the demands of that job being manual labor. And so if there was a reality TV show, he would definitely be the most eligible and the most desired bachelor, right? And, uh, and so all the ladies in town probably knew of Joseph, and he knew of the families too. He'd probably made wooden wheels for their wagons, or he'd made plows, or all kinds of different things, might have even made furniture for their homes. He would have known about all of these different families in town. And like any other living, breathing male of around the age of 20, he would have also noticed all the eligible bachelorette, bachelor, that was Arwen, bachelorettes in town, right? The, the girls in town that were eligible to be married. Okay, that's, that's what I was trying to say. All right. Maybe Mary had already caught his eye a little bit, and maybe he had gotten off with the guys a little bit and said, You know that, Mary? Her eyes sparkle like the sun on the Sea of Galilee. Now, you might have a great imagination, but I promise you that did not happen, okay? Guys don't talk like that with other guys. Now, I know you girls do because I had sisters and daughters and all that kind of Guys don't get with their friends and go, you know, her eyes sparkle like the sun on the sea of Galilee. He might have thought that, but he's not going to tell his buddies that, all right? Just, just want to clear that up. But uh, anyway, maybe Mary had mentioned to her mom, you know, that, that Joseph, he's a pretty handsome guy. And, you know, maybe Mary's mother, you know how moms can be sometimes, maybe she went to Mary's dad and said, you know, uh, Joseph, he, he's a kind, noble gentleman. He'd probably make a pretty good husband for Mary. And here's where a little bit of history is going to help us out a lot. So I want you to Focus with me here just a little bit because I want to explain to you about the dating and marriage practices according to the Jewish customs of that day because they were quite different from the way things are now. They had clearly defined legal guidelines that were followed and they took place in three stages. And so this is how Mary and Joseph's love story is going to play out here. And this is the part of the story that you will miss if you're not very careful as you just kind of read over it because you forget this is what is taking place back then. It's not just a Christmas story, okay? So the three stages are this. Number one, you had the 
contract stage. Number two, you had the consummation stage. And then number three, you had the celebration stage. Now, we're not going to get into the whole ordeal here, but basically it's totally opposite of the way that we do things now. You know, these days the, the uh, husband-to-be goes and he goes to the father to ask permission to ask the bride to marry him, right? Well, it was totally different back in these days. What would happen is the father, so this would be Mary's dad, would have gone to Joseph and would have proposed this marriage relationship to Joseph, okay? And would have kind of laid it out like, you know, Mary's this and she's that, and so I think y'all need to be married. And, and so if Joseph agreed to that, then what would happen next was Joseph would, he would pay a cash dowry, okay? He would have saved up his money along this way and doing his carpentry work, and he would go, and he would pay this cash dowry, and he'd probably bring some other things that maybe he'd made out of wood, and he would present this to Mary's parents, okay? And so he would pay a price to enter into this marriage relationship, and then if both of them agreed, they would sign this contract together, okay? So that's the contract stage of what was going on. Very, very different from the way things is done today because when that contract was signed, they were 100% husband and wife. Mary would be 100% Joseph's wife, and then Joseph would have 100% been Mary's husband. Then they would have begun what we call the dating process, where they would spend time together. They would go to family functions together. They would attend religious ceremonies together and celebrations. And so they would get to know each other. Now, all during this time, Mary would still be living with her family. And she would live there depending on her age, all the girls that, that were in the situation, depending on their age, depending on the circumstances, she might live with her family for a year. It might even be several years, depending on those circumstances. Now, here's where it gets really crazy, because at whatever point in time that it had been agreed upon for the next stage to take place, Joseph would gather up a procession of all of his friends. He'd get his posse together, okay? And they would proceed over to Mary's house, at which point Mary would have gathered all of her friends together to wait on the procession. And you can see it in your mind now. Here comes Joseph and all of his buds coming down the road, dust kicking up and everything, you know, coming to Mary's house and all Mary's friends are there and they're all giggly and excited and everything. And, 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 and I'm telling you, this is where it gets a little crazy because uh, once that happened, while everyone waited, while all of their friends waited, the couple would consummate their marriage. So yes, I know lunch is going to be interesting today. All right, but that's what would happen. And then once that had taken place, everyone would go together to enjoy the third and final stage, which would be the celebration feast, which again gives a whole new meaning to waiting on the wedding party to arrive, okay? So very, very different from the way we do things now. And it, it, it sounds awkward, doesn't it? And maybe it was, I, I don't know, but and you're certainly thinking this is probably the most unromantic unlikely love story I've ever heard so far. So, good. 
You're, you're all with me. But, you know, we really don't know how Mary and Joseph felt about each other because unlike the Song of Solomon where he described in vivid detail what he thought of his wife, we don't get all of that with Joseph and Mary. But, you know, we can only imagine from the information we're given. And we know that there are certain things about humans that just don't change over the centuries. And those things are like attraction that we have one for another person, the affection that we feel, the love that begins to develop, that trust that is built, the loyalty that begins to develop, a man's word being worth its weight in gold that he's going to marry her. And then that's where our love story kind of brings us with Mary and Joseph. The contract is in effect. They're 100% married, 100% husband and wife, bound to each other for life. And like all new married couples, their future's uncertain. They, they really don't have any idea about what they're going to have to face together in, in the days ahead. But they're excited nonetheless, right? And they're probably nervous in many ways. And so with each day that passed, Mary and Joseph got to know each other better. They found out what made each other laugh. They found out, you know, what the challenges of each day might bring and, and how they might handle those adversities. They learned the strengths of their personalities together, and they also learned from the imperfections when they had failures day after day. During these days, they surely talked about their hopes and their dreams for their future as they would be married. And uh, maybe they talked about how many children they wanted to have. And maybe Joseph had already started building as a carpenter, their dream home that they would live together in very soon. And like all couples, they were excited about the day that the next stage would take place and the consummation would take place. And so each day that passed, their love grew together. And that love continued to grow and deepen. At least that's how I imagine it because that's how it was done back in those days. So imagine the emotional bombshell that went off when Joseph heard the news. And Mary said, Joseph, I know this sounds crazy, but you're not going to believe it. An angel visited me and told me that I am going to have a baby. And the angel said that his name is going to be Jesus. And he's going to be great, and he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. He's the Messiah, Joseph. I mean, can you believe it? You've got to believe me. I mean, it's a miracle, and I know it's true because I'm pregnant. And you can imagine Joseph at that time, how could you, Mary? How could you do this to me? To, how could you do this to us? I mean, we were doing this all the right way. We were honoring God. We were honoring our family. And now this? You've got to be kidding me. And maybe he tried to listen to those words at first. You know, angel, miracle, Messiah. But the weight of that one word is probably all that really hung around. And that was pregnant. Pregnant. Because everybody knows there's only one way to get pregnant, and Joseph knew that it had not been in him. And unless he had dishonored Mary and his whole family and he was going to be a disgrace to society, this would have never taken place. Again, things are very different these days, but back then it was a disgrace and a dishonor. And it was all too much for Joseph. I mean, maybe he walked away in silence, broken and hurt. Maybe he stormed around and made Mary cry, I don't know, and, and, and left. But maybe that was why Mary went off to another town far away for a period of three months to be with her 
Aunt Elizabeth. I mean, maybe it was time for her to kind of, her family to get the story together and figure out what to tell everybody. We, we don't know. I mean, who's going to believe this story? Who could believe this story, right? And maybe it gave Joseph time to figure out what to do and some time to accept it. And isn't that exactly the kind of crisis that threatens to destroy any good love story? And you know what? We're probably never going to face circumstances like that. I mean, our circumstances are going to be different uh, for sure uh, that we might face. But the feelings that we'll face, the emotions that we face, the, the relational challenges that come with this kind of, of break in trust, they're, they're no different at their core. They're really going to be the same today for all of us. But it's also the glue that holds all love stories together, right? Love. Love, it's the glue that holds it together. And isn't that the test of any good love story? And that is, is love enough? And those of you that are younger, I hope you all listen to this. Is love enough? Is our love going to be strong enough? Is it going to be deep enough? Is it going to be true enough to handle X, Y, and Z that's going to come along? Is our love going to be strong enough to handle just the annoying, you know, the annoying little things, the trivial little things? And is it also going to be enough, is it going to be strong enough to handle the catastrophic and the potentially crushing things that might happen in our journey together as husband and wife? Have you ever thought about why God did it this way? You know me, I get to thinking... God, out of all the possible scenarios that could have been chosen, I mean, why didn't God do a, a more traditional, less dramatic way? I mean, why didn't he pick a couple that had been married for years and couldn't have children, and all of a sudden we got another miracle baby? I mean, you know, why, why couldn't we do it that way? Um, and I'm not sure that we can completely understand all the whys. I know we can talk about, you know, some of them, but, you know, I want us to try to pick out at least a couple of important takeaways today from this relationship that I hope that we can apply to this holiday season and especially in this area of love from this unlikely love story today. Here it is, love lesson number one. Love lesson number one, God's love is enough. That's what I want you to take away today is that God's love is enough. You know, Mary loved God enough to believe that he would make a way through this craziness, right? She knew it would break Joseph's heart, and it did. She knew her reputation would be in question. She knew that it would cause adversity for her family. She had no idea what this was going to mean for her future, but she loved God, and she loved Joseph. And she loved God enough to believe his love and that his plan would be enough. You remember those three months she spent with her aunt Elizabeth? It was about 80 miles. That's only about an hour and a half drive for those of us who drive the speed limit, right? Okay, shorter if you go faster. But for a pregnant lady to have walked that distance was at least a day's journey, if not longer. It would have been a hard journey as well. So it gave her a lot of time to think. And maybe she would reflect back and see the pain and the hurt in Joseph's eyes as she told him the news. Maybe she had time to think about the disbelief and the confusion from her family. She also had time to think about the hope and the promise that was delivered to her by the angel. Can you imagine? I mean, first of all, being visited by an angel is enough, right? But then to tell her this news, it was a lot to think about. She knew the truth. She knew what was happened, but how would everyone else see it? And what was going to happen now? Again, you've got to put yourself back in that time. 
And so maybe at her greatest point of weakness and certainly at her greatest point of need, God confirms that he is indeed enough and that his love is enough because she's immediately met when she arrives at Elizabeth's house with that kind of love. Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant with her own miracle baby, it says it this way in Luke chapter 1, if you want to look over there real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 42. It said, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Who was that? John the Baptist, that's right. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Wow. What if we could just believe that God will do for us what he says that he will do? And so in the midst of Mary's human crisis, all this stuff that's going on with this pregnancy deal, God provided the perfect love she needed, and she used, God used another person, Elizabeth, to do it with, a person who understood and supported her. And isn't that how God's love works today? Isn't that how God's love becomes enough for us and for other people? Sometimes God uses other people to bring that love to us, and sometimes God uses us to bring that love to other people. But you know what? Love and God's love is enough because it will change our lives. But Joseph's needs were a little bit different, weren't they? And that brings us to love lesson number two, and that is God's love is not only enough, but God's love is healing. God's love is healing. Back in Nazareth, in his pain and confusion, Joseph decided that he was going to divorce Mary. He'd had a, he, he just couldn't take it. The pain was too much. He couldn't believe what was going on. And while he legally could have taken Mary to the courts and had her tried publicly and had her potentially stoned to death, he still loved her, and he couldn't do that to her. And, and, and so he couldn't handle this breach of trust that happened either. And so he decided that he would quietly divorce her and try not to make a public disgrace of her and her family. He tried to, to do it the best way that he knew to do it and as easy as he could do it. And then that's when in this supernatural, unlikely love story, God knew that Joseph needed a supernatural kind of love. A love that would heal his broken heart and a love that would heal this chasm of trust that had been created. So Joseph, too, gets a visit from an angel. In Matthew chapter 1, go back just a few books. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Joseph gets a visit. And again, I wonder, okay, God, why couldn't you send the angel to Joseph at the same time you sent it to Mary? It would have helped out with this confusion a lot, I think. But since I'm not God, I don't go too far down that road, right? And I just know that it was in his timing that God did it the way he did it. But at his time of need, Joseph gets the visit. Matthew 1, verse 20. And as he, that is, Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So once again, we see that God knows what we need when we need it most. God knew exactly what was at the heart of Joseph's hurt. And so God gave Joseph the reassurance that he needed to trust Mary and to trust her love that she had for him. And ultimately to trust God in his love to make a way in this amazing, unbelievable, dangerous, supernatural, and ultimately triumphant story that was looking like none that either one of them would have ever imagined in their life. I mean, think about it. It's crazy. But Joseph chose love and trust even though the law told him to do otherwise. How many times have we used a reason that others use all the time to do something that we know is not what God would have us to do? Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean that's what God would have us choose. But Joseph chose love and trust. And I think it's a beautiful reflection of God's own choice to love and to foster a relationship with us because our sin means that we broke that relationship with him. And even though it cost him his son's death on the cross, God loves us with that kind of love and he shows us and demonstrates that. The love of God with us is God's perfect love in human form. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate during this Advent season. And this is the love that knows exactly what we need during this time in our life. No matter what you might be facing. And we've got some folks facing some very, very difficult things. So whether it's support from or restoration to another person. Or whether it's an encounter with the God of the miraculous that you need in some kind of way. God's love is with you. God's love is with us. He is here for you. And His love is making a way to accomplish God's work in your life. I believe that. With all my heart. First John 4, verse 16, it says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So here's how we can experience that love and express it to other Chris, Christians this Christian season and others who maybe are not Christians that need this love. In John chapter 13, Verses 34 and 35, Jesus was trying to explain to the scribes and Pharisees, those who were trying just to get through the season, get through life, just to get through this time of year or whatever crisis might be going on in their life. And they were trying to do this by keeping the letter of the law, by keeping all the rules, by making sure we do all the do's and that we don't do all the don'ts and, and all this kind of stuff. And so he says to them a very simple principle about love in this passage. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, love has to start right in here first, right? It has to start in me. It has to start in you. We have trouble loving inside the church. When God says, 
the way the world is going to know that he is really real is by loving others like he loved us. If you notice, we're not to love others like we would love them. We're to love others like Jesus would love them. That's why we can do it. You see, there's some people I'm going to have trouble loving, right? You got any people in your life that you have trouble loving? Well, if you're breathing, you do. Either that or you're lying. Then we got another problem, right? Sure, we're human. But we have been given the capacity as God's child to love others as Jesus would love them. We can do that. And we should do that. It's what it says. You should love each other. So as God's love grows in you, may it change your life supernaturally. I mean, I, that's my prayer. That God's love would change me supernaturally. That God's love would change you supernaturally. That your testimony of God's love in your life would be just unbelievable. And then may your love for others be expressed in a way that is supernatural to them. In a way that only God can do it. That's what's going to change our world. That's what our world needs this holiday season. Pray that the love of God grows in you. Let's pray together. God, we do pause now to thank you for the love that you have shown us by giving your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, even though we didn't deserve it. And how this love began, this unlikely love story, and the trust and the obedience that we see through both Mary as she chose to follow you first, God, and then Joseph as he Learn to trust Mary and to follow both her and you. God, thank you for sending people into my life that have loved me and shown me your love. God, it's my prayer that I would also show that love to other people as well. And that, God, you would begin to grow in each of us a supernatural kind of love, one that cannot be explained in human terms. And that through this Christmas season, through this holiday season, this season of Advent, that as we eagerly anticipate the coming again of Jesus, that we'll be faithful to share his love with those around us. Our world is in such need of love right now. God, it is a great opportunity for us to show it. I pray for that person here today or maybe watching this broadcast or listening to the podcast that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that right now that they would invite him into their heart and they would experience his saving love for the very first time. And for those of us who may be strayed away and forgotten how strong and how powerful and how beautiful your love is, God, may you begin to Rekindle that within our hearts even today. May we live out love today and this week. And we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.